You are listening to an audio sermon from Sovereign Grace Church Toronto. For more information, visit sovgracesto.org. Well, it is a joy to be here again, and uh, it, 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 it is a privilege to, to be here. We do love the Toronto area. We were uh, driving around earlier uh, this morning and just again and realizing just how vast of a city it is, um, how wonderful of a city it is. We're grateful for the way that you have cared for uh, a number of kids this past week and how many of you have been involved. It's just a real evidence of God's grace in you. You know, one of the things I love about this church, of course, is Pastor Josh and Pastor Tim and um, and um, the biblical wisdom that oozes out of them at our regional meetings as we gather together. Um, I always look forward to getting to spend time with them and learning from them and growing with them and being prayed over by them and praying alongside of them. And, um, and then they also uh, create a great bit of levity in our group. Uh, so they always bring uh, humor. And, uh, and Tim has had me probably more than anybody else uh, in the last two decades. He's had me crying uh, out tears of laughter uh, on a number of occasions. So I'm grateful for these brothers. But especially, it's, it's not surprising that this church, um, as uh, Timmond, I think, said, uh, is, is a praying church. That's been something just known uh, I mean, obviously, it's, it's just an obvious thing in Sovereign Grace churches, Tim, your uh, impact on this church and just how, how you are a praying man. Um, and uh, so we give thanks to God for you. I have the privilege this morning of preaching from God's word. And, and one of the things that um, Pastor Josh asked me to speak about was the uh, per, a pursuit of the Holy Spirit, a pursuit of, it says in the notes a pursuit of spiritual gifts. And I, you know, one of the things that I have realized as I've been pastoring uh, in, in our church in Dayton is that sometimes we just kind of need to back, need to back up and consider, okay, what, what are some foundational things? And I know you've been taught well here, and so you might very well have been taught these things in recent weeks, but often we just don't need to know something new, but be reminded of that which we've already heard and just simply have forgotten. Or something that, I'm not sure which, which one said it down here, but um, living life going, in, going with the flow. Christianity, called to be a Christian, called to live a life uh, set apart for Christ, having been set apart by him, and yet you walk through life, through the days of this life, just, just going with the flow. Um, kind of a presuming upon God, assuming the Holy Spirit, and just knowing about the Holy Spirit and knowing we believe in the Holy Spirit. But how does the work of the Holy Spirit really work in my life? How does the Holy Spirit, how, how am I to be posturing myself before this word, making much of Christ and being filled with the Spirit? I know I should be being filled with the Spirit, but how Am I to be being filled by the Spirit? Well, what does that even look like in the first place? Now, what does it mean? And what does the Bible say? One of the things that drew me and my wife Joy and our family to Sovereign Grace Churches back in 2000 and 
six in particular, when we moved from Iowa, where I was pastoring for 13 years, up to Minnesota, about three hours away, to be part of a Sovereign Grace Church there, was the doctrinal unity that we had as a family of churches. We believed certain things that were identical. I was from a family of churches, a great family of churches, but inside that church, there was such an array of belief. Um, If I were to just pare it down just to the work of the Holy Spirit, the wide array of belief was was crazy. And, And so there was no doctrinal unity. And so we longed for this unity of belief because if the pastor preaching from here is preaching, you don't know what he's gonna preach and, and how this person's gonna, if he really believes that at all or, or not, or, and it's about the Holy Spirit and about God and about, about Jesus and their foundational things, um, we just did not feel safe as a family and so we wanted to move to a church where we felt more safe doctrinally. So, so being taught things um, from God's word where there was much agreement, uh, nuances, but much agreement on it. And so in our family of churches, we have distinctives. And in these distinctives, what we, we love and teach reformed theology. We, we share the value of gospel-centered doctrine and preaching. We, we celebrate complementarian leadership in the home and the church and churches who are led and governed by elders. Uh, We're a family of interdependent churches who are united in fellowship, mission, and governance and believe fully that we are in mission with God and church planting, uh, outreach, and global missions. And what, what though, um, is often focused on, at least when I meet with new people at the church, first thing they want to know about isn't any of that stuff. What they want to know about is this whole continuationist pneumatology thing. Um, Continuationist, meaning something that continues on in the same manner, and pneumatology being the study of the Holy Spirit. As we believe strongly in the work, the ongoing ministry and work of the Holy Spirit, and not only do we have a mental assent towards it and agree with it on paper, but we desire to earnestly pursue the work of the Holy Spirit in us and in the churches and in our communities Uh, as I've heard many times already this morning in this church. Our statement of faith and sovereign grace, and hopefully you you received a piece of paper coming in. Um, uh, They're on the back table there if you did not uh, receive one, but... In, in those, on those two pieces, one is a, a note-taking thing. The other one is, is all the quotes uh, that I'll be, I'll be sharing this morning. So if, if you get to the end of the service, you want those quotes, they're on those pieces of paper back there or to take notes and to think about it this week. Our statement of faith and sovereign grace speaks of our biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit in this way, very historically orthodox manner, nothing crazy. Um, it says, the Holy Spirit... The Lord and giver of life convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Through the proclamation of the gospel, he persuades men to repent of their sins and confess Jesus as Lord. That's that's an amazing thing that the Holy Spirit does. By the same Spirit, a person is led to trust in divine mercy. The Holy Spirit unites believers to Jesus Christ in faith, brings about the new birth, dwells within the regenerate. The Holy Spirit has come to glorify the Son, who in turn came to glorify the Father. He will lead the church into a right understanding and rich application of the truth of God's word. He is to be respected, honored, and worshiped as God, the third person of the Trinity. And our statement of faith continues in section on sanctification. 
says the Holy Spirit is the active agent in our sanctification and seeks to produce his fruit in us as our minds are renewed and we are conformed to the image of Christ. Though indwelling sin remains a reality, we are, as we are led by the Spirit, we grow in the knowledge of the Lord, freely keeping his commandments and endeavoring to do so um, and to, to live in the world that all people may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And these two powerful aspects of our statement of faith in regards to the work of the Holy Spirit, we stand arm in arm with all sorts of churches. Just all sorts of churches that we agree with, we love, we come alongside of, and various denominations. There's nothing especially contentious in those statements on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I'm assuming, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have this same understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit, the orthodox ministry of the Holy Spirit. But I'd like to press just a bit this morning to prep our hearts for what we're going to consider for a few moments today. Because often we, we look at statements of faith and we agree from a theological standpoint, right? We can, we can agree with them. We can say, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. We look at a statement of faith and we can think about it from a historical perspective and say, well, the church has thought about this for many years, so okay, I agree with this and we must do that. But sometimes, and I think often in my own heart, I don't want to speak for you, but I think, I think it's generally true that oftentimes in our theological agreement with something, um, we can lose sight of the wonder, the, the awe. I think that's the first part of your mission statement, awe of God and who he is. Um, who is it we're speaking of when we speak about the Holy Spirit? Speaking of the Holy Spirit, St. Basil the Great wonders aloud. He says, he asks the question, what, what does the Spirit do? His works are ineffable or indescribable in majesty and innumerable in quantity. He goes on, how can we even ponder what extends beyond the ages? What did he do before creation began? How, how great are the graces he showered on creation? What, what power will he wield in the age to come? He existed, he pre-existed, he coexisted with the Father and the Son before the ages. Even if you can imagine anything beyond the ages, you will discover that the Spirit is even further beyond. And so the, the one whom we speak about this morning we kind of put it in a certain category sometimes. Um, it's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, uh, God. And, and as God, the Holy Spirit has yet more to offer to those and through those whom he has regenerated because that is a work that he has wrought in our lives. What more does he have to offer than the merciful act of regeneration and the purifying work of sanctification, well, our, our statement of faith in Sovereign Grace churches that we have agreed on um, goes on in this section called Empowered by the Spirit. And here's what it says. In addition to effecting regeneration and sanctification, which are wonderful, 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 the Holy Spirit also empowers believers for Christian witness and service. While all genuine believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit at conversion, and thank God for that, the New Testament indicates the importance of an ongoing 
empowering work of the Spirit subsequent to salvation as well, or following salvation as well, or conversion as well. Being indwelled by the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit are theologically distinct experiences. The Holy Spirit desires to fill each believer continually with increased power for Christian life and witness and imparts his supernatural gifts for the edification of the body and for various works of ministry in the world, just as you have seen here this past week. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the church of the first century are available today. We're continuationists. They're vital for the mission of the church. We have to have them and are to be earnestly desired and practiced. And so, just at this beginning part of my sermon, I ask you the question, when, when was the last time you earnestly pursued the spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 14, 1. When, when have you pursued, done a study and meditated on the work of the Holy Spirit and asked him to come and to fill you? And I actually was just prayed. When, when have... What does it look like through the week for you? What does it look like through the week for me? In that portion of our statement of faith, we're communicating that we believe, um, to some extent, that the, the God, the Holy Spirit, does not only work in the regeneration of dead hearts, although, although we believe that, right? I mean, that's true and that's wonderful. As amazing as that is, we're, we're not only giving glory to God for the work of the Holy Spirit and the sanctifying work that he does, and surely he does that both definitively and progressively. He set us apart and he is setting us apart. He's, he's doing that, he's, he's done that, and he's doing that, and he will bring us to that day when we see Jesus face to face and we will be like him as he is, and it's a work of the Holy Spirit, Romans eight twenty nine. We're also clearly communicating that the Holy Spirit empowers. Regenerates, yep. Sanctifies, yep. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful. And what about empowers? We, we believe that he empowers believers for Christian witness and service. Do you feel weak? <laughs> Do you feel weak in sharing your faith with your neighbor? Do you feel weak in, in trying to walk someone through a difficulty no, he, he will empower you for ministry, not just regenerate you. If he can bring the dead to life, he can strengthen you for ministry. That's what his promise is. Now, most churches, again, would agree with that, that he would empower us. But it's in the explanation of that empowerment where we find ourselves this morning, speaking of this shared value, um, and, and calling the very fashionable uh, continuationist pneumatology. Um, pneumatology, again, study of the spirit, continuationist, continuing on. So we believe that um, the Holy Spirit continues the work that he has always done. So let me read this last content of the distinctive we have in our Statement of faith as family of churches of sovereign grace. With the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, God's purpose to dwell among his people entered a new era. Um, 
many scriptures there. We believe the Holy Spirit desires to continually fill each believer with increased power for Christian life and witness, including the giving of his supernatural gifts for the building up of the church and for various works of ministry in the world. Acts 1, Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 12. We're eager to pursue God's active presence in all its breadth, that Christ may be magnified in our lives, that he might be magnified in the church, and that he might be magnified among the nations. Psalm 105, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 2, 22. So not going to look at any one specific passage this morning and, and just walk through it. We're going to look at multiple different passages in God's word and see the wonderful realities of what we're speaking of today. And hopefully, by God's grace and the power of the Spirit, he will work in such a way in our hearts to instill faith in us that we might pursue the Holy Spirit um, unashamedly. And so I ask the question, uh, what is continuationist pneumatology? Not, 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 not just how, how do we pursue the spiritual gifts, but, but let's back up for a second and think, what is continuationist pneumatology? I already explained it a little bit, but what, what, does, it, what does that mean? Well, first, and it's in your notes, a continuationist pneumatology believes foundationally a couple of things. I mean, foundationally, one, you believe that the Bible is God's word. You believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God, and so, so you're not picking up stuff from somebody else somewhere somebody's opinion, but you're believing what God's word says because it's God's word that will not return empty. It's God's word that is authoritative and we're held captive to. It's his word that is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's his word that we can trust. And so that's uh, a first thing we believe foundationally to, 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 um, to believe in the authority of God's word. But, but specifically and foundationally, what we believe is that God has always been about redeeming a people for himself to dwell with forever. He's had this plan. No, we, we sit inside of that plan. We, we, are, we are participants, by God's grace, in that plan. But we believe foundationally, as continuationists, pneumatologists, we believe foundationally that God has always had as his purpose to dwell among a people he has made his own. And so believing God's word to be authoritative and without error, we believe that in the beginning, in the very beginning, God's creative activity reached its pinnacle with the creation of man, you and I, with, with, with people like us, male and female, who were created in God's image to glorify him, to, to give him glory, to enjoy unhindered fellowship with him. And of course, all the blessings Adam enjoyed in the garden, whether it was safety or, or if it was provision or his relationship with Eve, the greatest was his unhindered relationship with, with his creator. Even after man sinned and, and lost the privilege of intimate fellowship with God, he promised to conquer the evil. Genesis 3, 15, he, the, 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 the fellowship that was spoiled because of because of not trusting, not believing God's word, and believing the enemy instead, spoiled that, desiring to restore mankind to his rightful place in creation with fellowship with God, God made a promise to redeem a people for himself to dwell with forever. He was continuing that plan. 
After Abraham's descendants were enslaved in Egypt, God delivered them and forged them into a nation, the nation of Israel, among whom he would dwell and who would represent him on the earth. Exodus 19 says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And even though the people of Israel, people of God, the, the, the covenant people of God received many blessings from God, blessings like his very presence in the tabernacle. You can imagine we, we, we desire to, we, we felt God's presence. We feel God's presence in our hearts and in our lives. And we feel especially as we gather together the presence of the Lord as we enter into Mount Zion by the blood of Jesus and worship him on Sunday afternoons. Um, but could you imagine the tabernacle or, or the temple where the glory of God shone all around in that place and just like, it, it was, or, or like on top of Mount Sinai where, where there's fire and thunder and it was, you could see it. You see the glory and Moses just see little glimpses and he had to have a shield over his face or a veil over his face to, to keep from scaring people. Even though they saw all that, Israel rebelled and their trust in other gods finally brought judgment from God upon them. Yet, God was true to that promise, the, the plan that he was going to redeem a people for himself to dwell with forever. Generations went by. Very, very dark years. Years where it seemed God's promise to redeem a people to dwell with forever was lost, but it, but it surely was not lost. If it was up to man, it would have been lost, but it was up to an eternally faithful, um, good, holy, merciful God. A voice was heard crying in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, and, and Jesus came. And in the incarnation, when Jesus, God became flesh, God revealed himself most fully. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father full of grace and truth. So God the son, um, not simply dwelling in a, in a confined place in a tent or on a mountain or in the temple, um, God the son dwelling with us. And, and, and then he died and was resurrected, obviously skipping a lot of things here, but he had promised his disciples that after he ascended to the Father's right hand that he would send the Holy Spirit to them. Luke 24, he speaks about power being sent from on high. Didn't say the Holy Spirit, would, would, but, but he was equating Holy Spirit with power. He's gonna send power from on high. Acts 1.8, you will receive What? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's an empowerment piece. Regeneration, yes, and wonderful. Sanctification, yes, and wonderful. Empowerment, yes, and, and wonderful and to be expected. Acts 2, it's what we read. At Pentecost, the church in union with Christ and indwelt by the Spirit now becomes the place on earth where God dwells. So much so that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? 
And, and this, the reason I'm sharing this is, is not to, to just give a kind of a history lesson or, or some sort of theological run through the Old Testament, but it is a foundational reality, a foundational truth that we find ourselves in this morning. So to, to, let's not get lost in the weeds, but, but revel in the glories of God, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us this morning. The, the eternal Holy Spirit hovering over the waters of creation, strengthening the people of God, the true Israel, and us this morning. If God the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us as those who've entrusted our lives to Jesus, then surely there are some absolutely huge realities that he brings to our lives that we need to be reminded of this morning. Um, and maybe I'm just preaching to myself because I, I need to be reminded of this this morning. I sat there this morning sing, singing songs. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes to see you. Jesus, would you help fill me with your spirit that I might see you? Because I can't even see you right now. All I can see is sideways. All I can see is inside. All I can see is nothing. You've got to open my eyes. And who is it that does that? This Holy Spirit that indwells and empowers. A continuationist pneumatology, secondly, believes that the Spirit's primary work is to reveal the reality and presence of Christ for the glory of Christ. And that perspective must govern our perspective on the Spirit's work. It must inform our teaching. It must inform our thinking. It must inform our processing of the Spirit's work, being able to evaluate the Spirit's work among us or not the Spirit's work among us. The exercise of spiritual gifts is Christ being seen. Is Christ being made much of? Is there that going on? All our thinking, all our speaking, all our practical pursuit must be guided by this massive reality that Jesus must be making, being made much of. This is, this is how we can discern. We won't get into the exposition of each passage, but in each one we'll see that in Jesus' farewell discourse is that the enormous foundational role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal and cause us to understand and appropriate the reality and presence of Christ for the glory of Christ. So would you turn to John chapter 14 for a moment? John chapter 14, it's in your notes as well, I believe. It's not actually. Uh, John 14, verses 16 through 18, and we're gonna read um, a few passages in John. This is Jesus' farewell discourse. He says this, John 14, verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John 14, verse 23 now. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And turn over to John chapter 16 for a moment. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what's mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So over and over and over again, Jesus tells us that the Spirit will reveal Jesus to us and cause us to understand. He is the one who will open our eyes to see Jesus and to see his uh, person, to see his glory, to see his ways, to understand him, to have the mind of Christ, to walk in the joy of Christ for the glory of Christ. Now this, this, my experience, this governing reality of the Holy Spirit um, this governing reality of, of the Spirit directing our eyes to Jesus, that that's his primary purpose. In, in my experience, in, 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 um, in our churches, sometimes has been um, more of a, more a governor for joy, a governor of joy, like governor for joy, governor, don't pursue too much. Don't make too much of the Holy Spirit, your pursuit of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't pursue the Holy Spirit so much that you're forgetting about Jesus. And, and it's just a, it's a little, it's a, it's a little, in my experience, a little upside down. So it is like, if I'm pursuing the Holy Spirit, I have the word of God in front of me. And, and so with the word of God in front of me and I'm, I'm meditating and I'm saying, Spirit, open my eyes. Open, cause me to, I want to follow you and f- fill me afresh with your spirit. What am I asking for? I'm not just asking simply for power. I'm asking for the ability to see Jesus clearer. And so to say, well, make sure you're pursuing Jesus, I'm saying, well, I am by pursuing the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is gonna direct me to Jesus. And so I, I don't I, I want to have us in your own heart to, because of maybe things that we've seen do in, in ways that we would, we would consider excess in, in, in certain, certain circles in Christianity, that we say, well, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I don't want to pursue too much because I don't want to be that. And I want to make much of Christ. But don't let that be a, a governor. Let it, let it, let it, like an, and, and, and almost like a dampener rather than a governor. Just dampening your soul to, to really not pursue the Holy Spirit. That correction, while understandable at times, some people, because we, we all can tend to go astray and begin looking just for experiences and whatnot, but, but listen, I want to experience Jesus more and more and I want to see him clearer and clearer and I want to be empowered for ministry more and more and more and and so one of the ways that we do that is through the empowering work of the Holy Spirit by pursuing him. Others of us who are all about the variety of charismatic experiences, I just mentioned that for a moment, but 
We also need to remember that this governing reality that the Spirit's primary role is to reveal and cause us to understand and appropriate the reality and presence of Christ for our joy and for the glory of Christ and not just simply you know, tip a theological hat to it. Um, so, so I ask you just sort of quickly, when's the last time you pursued the Holy Spirit? Uh, a posture of come Holy Spirit and open my eyes to see wonderful things out of the law. Third, a continuation of this pneumatology believes that the Spirit's empowering work among believers is broad. We speak about this a lot. Gordon Fee says it best. He says the Spirit's major role in Paul's view of things lies with his being the absolutely essential constituent of the whole of Christian life from beginning to end. The Spirit thus empowers ethical life in all of its dimensions, personal, corporate, and in the world. Believers in Christ who for Paul are spirit people, first and foremost, are variously described as living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, sowing to the Spirit, The Spirit conforms the believer, as I've mentioned, into the likeness of Christ to the glory of God. The Spirit is therefore the empowering presence of God for living the life of God in the present. Gordon Fee, God's Empowering Presence, the the book. It's a a big, thick one if you are interested in reading it. We, We are spirit people. That's how Paul describes us uh, regularly in the epistles and the letters. The the reality is that the Spirit moves in all sorts of ways, and we want to be aware of all of them, not just a couple that I feel comfortable with. Aware of all of them, not just the ones that make the headlines. When people are pursuing membership at Sovereign Grace Church Dayton, often the first question that they'll ask me when when we get to this area is, uh, what do you guys think about tongues, the gift of tongues? It's not not about the Holy Spirit, it's not about, um, it's it's understandable to some extent, but it's It's not about the Holy Spirit and about the things we've talked about this morning and God's plan to redeem a people for himself to dwell with and to to be present with them and to empower them and to strengthen them. It's not about those kind of things. It's just simply about one gift. Maybe maybe, maybe two. So prophecy would be another one. Fact is, though, we are spirit people. We, we never want the miraculous nature of regeneration, and we need to see that as a, as a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we never want the miraculous nature of regeneration, the miraculous nature of sanctification or being set apart, uh, again, definitively or progressively, to be overshadowed by an undue emphasis on some other Thing that's seemingly more spectacular. Like I know Jesus, I know the Holy Spirit saves, saves people, he regenerates people, I know that, but what, what I want to see, I want to see somebody speak in tongues. That's what I really want. I just want a new word. Just give me a new word, brother. We don't want to have that perspective or communicate the perspective to people that in the absence of spirit, certain spiritual gifts in someone's life that they're lacking the work of the Spirit in them. Back when Joy and I were attending Bible college down in Florida back 30 year, 31 years ago, I guess, um, we had a, a group of uh, students come to, to our, our dorm common room and they were from a, a different church and, and, and we remember hearing them whisper, did, did, they, did they know the Holy Spirit? We, we were f- f- full on, I would, I would say at the time, actually, 
Now I would say, well, probably not that well. No, uh, I, I really didn't. I, we knew about the Holy Spirit a little bit, but not really that much. But, but see, like for, for them, it was that like they were here and we were here. Um, well, we, don't want, we don't want that. All of us, as those who are born again, we've been born again um, by one spirit into one spirit. We have the spirit dwelling in us. Um, one of my joys as a pastor is to communicate with the church I have the honor of pastoring uh, where I see the spirit moving in people's lives. So last week here, I just think this is not, this is not just you being a, a group of nice people. It's just the active work of the third person of the Trinity in King City. In the privacy of your home, a husband serving his wife, a wife serving her husband, serving your children, caring for your children, speaking a word of encouragement to somebody, um, choosing to kill a sin and put on Christ, people serving, I don't know if there's children's ministry going on today or not, but people serving their hospitality, you guys in the back doing sound and that's serving worship team, all works of the Holy Spirit moving. You speaking to one another in the break, seeing the smiles on your face and talking to each other, work of the Holy Spirit in you. He is not absent. He is working. This church is founded on this word, on the work of Christ, and on the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives. All because God, the Father, has Son, Spirit, has planned from before the foundation of the world to redeem a people for himself to dwell with forever. That's good news. Fourth, the continuationist pneumatology believes that the Spirit's empowering work among believers is intended to be ongoing and continuous. We're going to get a little shorter here in these ones. Probably the most important aspect, however, of our pneumatology, what makes us a little bit different, non-negotiable thing theologically and biblically and, and corporately for us. A, a true, accurate stance toward the work of the Holy Spirit is not primarily about what someone has experienced or has not experienced in the past, but what is your current experience? What is going on in your life right now? We all can look back at days. I, I remember having a day of some days of revival back in 2014, 15, and I remember talking to Tim, and Tim said, oh, take them up while they're there. Take them up and enjoy them while they're there because they, they come and they go. And Lord, would you have more, more of that, more of those days of revival. But it's not just what happened. Well, one day in the past it happens. We, we can expect and anticipate more. And so we pursue the Holy Spirit for more. Fill me afresh more today, right now. Not, not only one point when the Spirit fills you, for some, they would say the baptism of the Spirit happened at salvation, and others would say that the baptism of the Spirit, as the Bible speaks about it, is subsequent to salvation. In sovereign grace, we have room for both of those kind of understandings, but the point is, is that the Spirit continues to work. The Spirit continues to fill ongoing, after salvation. Definitely in salvation, absolutely. Arguably before the point of conversion. So he's just he's changing you, regenerating you. The Spirit's at work in you, and he's changing you at, uh, working and he's converting you. He's, he's calling you to, him, to, to the Father and he's working in you so much and he continues to work and continues to work and empowers you to work. And I ask you, do you feel the need right now, this morning, this afternoon, for the work of the Holy Spirit in you as you live life? As you're dealing with a difficult situation in your family, 
as you're dealing with difficult neighbors, as you're dealing with a difficult situation at work, or perhaps it has to do primarily with like, Lord, I just... I want to talk about you with other people, but I don't know how, and I don't. I just am not bold, and I and I feel uh, not. A, I, I'm not ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed, but I but I'm but I'm embarrassed. Like I don't even know what to say. Well, need fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in you. Paul says in Ephesians five eighteen, very famous verse, don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be, be being filled, continually filled with the Spirit. Be, be pursuing the, for, for joy and empowerment and, and gifting for the glory of God, to see Christ and to make much of Christ. Ongoing and continuous, the privilege of a redeemed child of God who, who has been delivered from the domain of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of the sun. Uh, delivered to um, delivered like fully um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, definitively delivered definitively and being delivered along the way and one day finally delivered when there'll be no more, no more sadness no more sorrow, no more sickness no more difficulty, no more fear so we desire to pursue the Holy Spirit, to earnestly pursue him. Much more to be said about that, but for now I just want to communicate that a continuationist pneumatology is most concerned with the fact that the Holy Spirit, we have the promise of being filled over and over and over and over and over again, and, and, and we, just, we just tend to forget to ask. And we have not because we Ask not. Fifth, a continuationist pneumatology believes that the Spirit's empowering work among believers has multiple aspects. We've talked about this a little bit, so I'll just jump through these. Personal sanctification. We can look at 2 Corinthians 3 or Galatians 5. Spirit empowers us in personal sanctification, personal holiness. So why do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit if you've trusted Christ, but why do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in in those increasingly because do you struggle with sin do we wrestle with poor attitudes forgetfulness with fear struggling with those things the spirit comes to to strengthen us and to to encourage us and to move us and to change us and to conform us to the image of Christ we need the spirit for spiritual illumination so you want to know more about God's word one of the biggest struggles in people of God is to read God's word and to understand God's word and for the word of God to come alive to them when's the last time the word of God really came alive to you that you saw, like, like, I, like I said, I was praying, just opened my eyes, because I, I know a lot of truth, I, 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 I get it, but, but I, don't, often, I just don't feel it. I get in the midst of all these jumbles, thoughts going on, and all this responsibility, and all these things, and I forget, and I read the Bible, and I'm, yeah, that's, that's right, and, and, and I'll need to get on with my day now. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes so that when we read God's word, man, it comes alive to us. He opens our eyes to see the glorious things as where his promises come alive to us. They're right here. They work, but we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our mind to see spiritual illumination. Service. 
for mutual edification. We've spoken about that, but part of the uh, uh, adjustment that I want to make in this section is simply 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. There are a variety of gifts that the Spirit gives us for mutual edification, to serve one another. Variety of gifts, same Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Who's, who's doing the empowering? It's not just, not just you serving, right? It's, it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, we know what it's like to serve in our own strength. It's, it's ruthless. But boy, to, to sit down with a little girl who says, I don't believe in God, and you get the opportunity. All of a sudden, your heart goes, like, and you get to sit and talk with them and have that conversation with them. That's the Holy Spirit working in you, moving in you, gifting you for that specific moment. Evangelistic witness. I mentioned this already. Are you fearful in sharing Christ with a neighbor, with a coworker, with a friend, with a whoever? Um, Jesus tells the disciples in Acts 1, again, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The ongoing empowerment and fillings of the Holy Spirit that we should eagerly pray for and expect are meant as well to give us power for that evangelistic witness. Again, in Luke 24, it's, a, it's, a, it's power. When it, wait, in it, wait, wait there in Jerusalem until power comes from on high. There'll be power for evangelistic witness. And so these categories are, are meant to inform how we pray for people. When, when we pray for the filling of the Spirit, we're not only praying for certain gifts, pursuing gifts, we're praying for all sorts of manifestations of the Holy Spirit, including personal sanctification, including, as has already been prayed for, for people's eyes to see the, the hearts to be regenerated, whether the little children or oldest of adults, spiritual illumination, mutual serving, evangelistic mission, when the Spirit moves and when the Spirit fills, these are the things that are included. Uh, now, a continuationist pneumatology believes that these things that I've spoken of are not simply the results of a disciplined life, but foundationally the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. And that makes us all the more eager for more of the work of the Spirit in our lives. And we could stop here and, um, and spend some time praying for more of the Spirit, but I want to quickly move on just to a couple more and then we'll close. Sixth, a continuationist pneumatology believes that the Spirit's empowering work among believers should include, should include a discernibly dynamic dimension. And there's, there's many arguments over the patterns we see in the stories of Acts. Should, should we expect the same things in the book of Acts? What we read in the book of Acts, is that, is that for us today or is that just a special period of time where certain special things happened? And then they ceased somewhere along the line. Are, are, they, are these patterns to be repeated in every situation? No, regardless of where you stand or where you sit on that pattern found in Acts, can we all agree that there's certainly at least one thing, one pattern that is absolutely unarguable? And the pattern is the when the Holy Spirit moves and when the Holy Spirit fills God's people afresh, there is something discernible happening. You feel it, you see it. Something dynamic 
happening. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 11, and on and on. Always, 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 always something dynamic happening. And I don't mean, I don't mean dynamic like, well, it's just the most amazing thing ever, but it's something that's being, you're able to see it, you're able to feel it, you're able to sense it, you're able, you, you, you know something, something, something different's going on here. Paul tells the Galatians, so foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? The, 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 the mark of the believer, love, but another mark of the believer, the work of the Spirit in someone's life is the Spirit. We are spirit people. God supplies the ongoing work of the spirit who works miracles among them. The the spirit is dynamically present with the Galatians and the spirit means to be dynamically present with you and with me. And and I think, I think, we we just settle and we just forget. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just put it on my calendar, I'll get it done. I gotta read the Bible in the morning, so I'll read the Bible in the morning. We need more pursuit of the Holy Spirit. And he's just saying, ask. Just ask. He's so gracious to pour out his spirit anyway. But he's still saying, ask. He says, Jesus, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In another place, he says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Finally, I'm going to jump um, to this last one. A continuation of this pneumatology believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are vital for the mission of the church and are to be earnestly desired and practiced. The more than just doctrinal belief, but an attitude of dependence and pursuit. I want to share a quick story and I'm just going to jump right to the end. Last July, um, I'm not sure when I was here, but it was, but it, uh, whatever. It was last July, I went down to, we, we took a group of people down to a church in Oklahoma City. And I had felt, I'd been asking the Spirit to move in my own heart and in the heart in, 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 in our church. And, um, and so in our church of about this size, we have probably f- at least five families that, that, can't, uh, that, that have been unable to have children. And, and so just asking the Lord uh, what to do about that, um, you know, what, what do you do? Will you, will you pray? You know? and, um, but I felt like the Spirit directed me to go back to the church, go back to Dayton, and invite these couples up and to anoint with oil and pray over them. And I was like, not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Like, like, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea, but that's too touchy. There's too, much, there's too much at stake there. There's too much potential misunderstanding. Because um, surely, 
we're not going to be a church that says, well, I, I heard from God that you're going to have a child or not going to have a child. Well, but, but nevertheless, I felt like I heard the Spirit say that. So I go back to Dayton, and that was late July. August happened, September happened, October, November, December, January, February. We buy a house, and we begin to um, paint, and I'm painting with a brother there who, who is one of the husbands who, who um, his wife can't have children so far. And, uh, and so I just was talking with him, and I said, would you, would you be, felt the spirit convict me in that moment, told you nine months ago, you know, very graciously, told you nine months ago that you need to pray, and, and, and you haven't done it, so you need to ask, ask this guy. So I asked him, I said, would you be open if you, you and your wife would, would come forward and we could pray over you? And he's like, absolutely, oh, I'd love that. Oh, okay. Um, and then, so I asked another couple, and they said, oh, please, yes, like as much as you want. Oh, okay. So, um, without feeling condemned or anything, I stood up Sunday morning, but through tears, nonetheless, tears of repentance, I asked the church to forgive me for my lack of belief. Because here I am preaching sermons like this, saying, believe in the Holy Spirit, to pursue the Holy Spirit. We need to believe the promises, and we need to follow in obedience to him, and, and all that, and yet, and yet I, I, I succumb to fear. And don't do it myself. And so I asked for forgiveness, and church audibly forgave me. And then we spent some time praying over people. And if you don't mind me saying uh, this, uh, Mark and Becca were having a hard time having children. Um, which I wasn't sure that I knew about too much at the time, but they stood up in front seat, and we had some people pray over them. And we had five, about five different people praying over uh, some folks. Wonderful morning. Nothing crazy happened. Uh, you know, uh, people said, I'm pregnant. You know, nothing like that. It was just, uh, it just but, but there was a step of obedience, you know. And, um, and it was a wonderfully rich thing. And we moved on and I preached. And, and, uh, and so then, I don't know how long it was, but, but uh, about five weeks later, we were down visiting Mark and Becca. And, um, and so you know where this story is going. Mark and Becca said, we're four weeks pregnant. And it was like three, evidently, something about three days after we had, we had prayed. And so my first response was, oh, God, that's so amazing. Um, my second response a couple days later was, well, maybe they just got pregnant. See how quickly unbelief settles in. The spirit moved, gracious, kind. Um, walk in obedience to the spirit. Um, what does, what does all this mean for us? Um, it means what I just said. Pursue the spirit with the word. So when I say word and spirit come together, so, so with the word before you, always have the word before you, and pursue the Holy Spirit. If you're doing one, well, you can't understand the word apart from the spirit, so that doesn't seem to make sense. So so, and, and pursuing the spirit without the word is just pursuing some sort of experience for experience sake. Pursue word and spirit. Before, your, before, before the word, you, you lay it out and you, you ask, spirit, come and move. Help me to be a better husband to my wife. 
Help me to walk in obedience to you. Help me to see things in your word that are, that are true and right and, and good and pursue the Holy Spirit. And don't, don't separate somehow the work of the Holy Spirit in your life with the word of God. Don't, 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 don't separate the work of the Holy Spirit in your life from the church that whom God obtained with his own blood. Um, pursue the Holy Spirit. And, and when gifts come, oh, embrace the gifts and, and, and use the gifts and use the, 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 the breadth of gifts that God gives. And you can do further study on that yourself in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. A couple things just by steps of to do this week. Believe the Bible. Get into God's word. Believe the Bible. Step one, believe the Bible to be true. When he talks about the Holy Spirit, believe it to be true and ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Let your fear, you, you, you're, you're fearful of something about the Holy Spirit. You've seen something crazy happen and you don't want anything to do with that. You su- submit to God, submit to God and you say, Lord, do something crazy in me for your glory, for the sake of Christ. Help me to honor you with all that I am and all that I do and get your face in God's words. I believe the Bible to be true. Step two, be consciously aware of the Spirit's leading. A heightened awareness and self-conscious evaluation to, to, to remember, to remember that the, we, must be a, we are a spirit people and we must be pursuing the Holy Spirit. Step three, more time. And you guys do a wonderful job with this. More time spent in prayer and quiet waiting on the Lord. Fourth, spend time in prayer with others who are earnestly seeking the Spirit in their lives. So pray for one another. Spend time praying for each other. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'll close with this quote. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, do you know anything about this spiritual power? Is not this the thing that the church has lost? You know, when the Spirit of God comes even upon the most ordinary man, he can make a giant out of him that can shake a meeting and pass on an inspiration to others and transform them. That's God's way. That's the Christian church. That's New Testament Christianity. And so friends, I want to leave you with one thing. Pursue earnestly the Holy Spirit. Um, Eagerly expect him to move on us as we ask the Father and the ruling and reigning Jesus for precisely that which he promises us. Lord, we would right now just ask that, that you would pour out your spirit on this congregation individually and corporately. Come, please, and work. Lord, I, I need a move of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need, to, I need this word to come alive to me again, to, to freshen my eyes, to, to open my eyes as we sing songs of worship and praise, Lord, that our, our hearts would come alive that we would care really well for one another, not just being a group of nice people caring for each other, but a, but a spirit-filled, empowered group caring and praying for each other and speaking words of exhortation and prophetic words and, and yes, tongues and, and um, interpretation and, and um, serving gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. All of all of those things, Lord, and so much more for your glory to make much of Christ and to give us much joy. We, we want to both declare your word in power, uh, but, and, and so we, we don't want to just, just speak loudly or speak fast or powerfully. But Lord, it's all empty unless the spirit empowers and that your word goes forth in that power. So would you help us to be a people of the spirit a people of the word, walking in obedience to you. Fill us afresh, Lord. May, we, may this week, may, may we be marked 
by those by being those who would be pursuing your Holy Spirit and pursuing your word each and every day. Morning, evening, morning, evening, throughout the days, Lord, please, for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.